So Peter and John, <laughs> Peter and John were out preaching one day. And what's amazing about Peter and John is, is the incredible transformation that has taken place in their lives. Because the same Peter, who a couple of weeks ago was too scared to even acknowledge that he knew Jesus, is now standing publicly in the temple courts, boldly proclaiming to the crowds and to the Pharisees about this Jesus whom you crucified, God has raised up, God has exalted him, and his forgiveness and power in the name of Jesus. In fact, there was a, a, a crippled man that everyone knew who went to the temple because he was always there begging. And, and remember that day when Peter saw him and he reached out his hand and he said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up. And this crippled beggar that everyone knew was now leaping, dancing, praising. And there was this, this incredible new boldness and courage that had filled the heart of Peter and John. So much so that the Pharisees realized, unless we put an end to this whole Jesus preaching, making bad type thing, then we're going to have a complete revolt, a revolution. And so they seized Peter and John, and they brought them before, they threw them in jail for the night, and then the next day, they brought Peter and John before this religious council. Now, this is the same religious council that had just condemned Jesus to death. Same people. And now Peter and John were standing in front of them. And they command, it doesn't even just say they suggest or tell, they command, Peter and John, you will never preach in the name of Jesus again. You knew what happened to Jesus, and I want to tell you the same thing's going to happen to you if ever we hear you preaching in the name of Jesus again. And it says Peter looked at them in the eye, and he says, well, now you decide. Do I obey you, or do I obey the God who has raised Jesus from the dead? Nothing will stop us from proclaiming this name. And now the council didn't know what to do. They'd seen this miracle, and so eventually they just threatened them and let them go. Now what I want to focus on is, is what did Peter and John do? They've just been threatened with death. And so they go out and they have a prayer meeting. Great thing for Christians to do. Now I want to pick up in Acts chapter 4. Here's our, our scripture I want to focus on for today. Acts chapter 4 verse 23. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, which is an amazing little thing because I thought the Jewish religious people were their own people. But sometimes your own people changes when you come to Jesus. See, now Peter and John's own people were not the religious crowds. Now they were the Jesus followers. They went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. This is why we have prayer meetings. It's in the Bible. This is why we're asking you to pray, not to make your life busier, not because we don't know that you've already got busy lives with lots of demands, but we ask you to come and pray because it's in the Bible that the people join together in prayer. It's biblical. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of your servant, our father David, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and their rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. 
Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to be safe. Please, Lord, surround us with a hedge of protection. Please, Lord, Surround us with your angels and heavenly hosts so that we won't fall into the threats. Isn't that amazing? They didn't pray that. Honestly, that's probably what we would have prayed at our prayer meeting. Lord, we're facing persecution and we're facing threats. Please, Lord, we pray the blood of Jesus to protect angel wings around us under Psalm 93. It's amazing what they prayed. It says, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That beautiful prayer. And God answered this beautiful and powerful prayer in such a dramatic way. It wasn't a prayer of protection. It was a prayer of boldness. Why? Because I believe that these apostles, the disciples, they had a revelation. And here's the thing. All real faith is built on real revelation. And these apostles, these disciples had a revelation because they've just quoted from Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage? And why do they plot in vain? And then it says, the Lord scoffs, he laughs. And then he speaks about Jesus. You see, they had a revelation of the mighty hand of God that was upon them and working through them. Now, this is huge for me, and this is what I want to focus on as I talk about it today. They said, stretch out your hand to heal and perform. Not, Lord, place your hand of protection upon us, but rather, Lord, will you stretch out your hand through us to heal, perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, this for me has become a huge thing because when we planted this church, many of you have heard our testimony. The key revelation that God dropped into Kate and my heart when we planted this church is simply this. The gracious hand of God is upon you. We felt completely overwhelmed. We had nothing. And so many of you have joined, journeyed with us. When we look at this building, when we look at what God has done, that's the result of God's gracious hand. His gracious hand is His hand of provision and protection. His hand that just is upon us because God is good. It's Jesus. A picture of His amazing grace. And God has been so incredibly gracious to us. And you've heard us pray it so many times. You know, I remember when we first built this building and the uh, a businessman came to me and he said, uh, young man, what exactly is your financial strategy to pay for this building? And I felt so intimidated. And I said to him, well, our financial strategy is this. The gracious hand of God is upon us. And he said, I agree with you. And he helped finance the building. You see, the point is this. God has given us this, not as an idea, but as a deep-seated revelation. We know that's why we can pursue. We can, we can pursue buildings a year and, and nations and all of these things because we know, God, your gracious hand has sustained us. And then we received a prophetic word, I don't know, maybe a, a year or two ago, and it was prophesied over us, you've been faithful with this revelation of God's gracious hand, and now God wants to reveal his mighty hand. And what I want to talk about this morning is the difference between God's gracious hand 
and his mighty hand. Let me give you a couple of examples. The gracious hand of God is upon you, but the mighty hand of God wants to work through you. The gracious hand of God is for you. The mighty hand of God is against his enemies. The gracious hand of God provides for his people. The mighty hand of God delivers his people. And I want you to imagine with me, church, if God, if it became revelation, deep-seated in our hearts, in the same way that we've walked under the blessing of his gracious hand, are we willing to contend for that same revelation, Lord God? We want to start seeing your mighty hand outstretched in us, through us, against your enemies. For me, it's hugely exciting, which is what we trust in God for. So, what I want to do very simply is, um, is give you eight examples of this revelation of God's mighty hand. You see, we carry a testimony in Scripture. The mighty hand of God was revealed throughout the Old Testament. The Old Testament is given to us to encourage us, to train us, because God is revealed. And in the, in the Old Testament, there's an incredible story that's really at the center of that story is this revelation of his mighty hand. And that's the story, of course, of Moses and Pharaoh. Remember those 10 plagues? Remember those wonderful kids' stories? The heart of that story is God revealing his mighty hand through Moses to deliver his people. And that's what God wants to begin to show us. Imagine if we caught that revelation. Imagine, church, if that became part of our DNA. The mighty hand of God is with us, and so we're trusting for signs and wonders and healing and breakthrough. So let me give you a couple of examples. don't know how many we'll get through, but let's... Make a start. Example number one, the mighty hand of God compels the enemy. I love that word in uh, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 19. It says, but ah, this is God speaking, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. Isn't that beautiful? I, I love. And we saw that's the story of Moses and Pharaoh when he went with the first plague of turning the Nile into blood and then darkness and there was gnats, there was hail, there was frogs, there was all sorts of things. This was the mighty hand of God compelling the enemy. You don't have a choice here. The mighty hand of God revealed against his enemies compels him to submit and to obey until his mighty hand released judgment that broke the power of the enemy, the enemy resisted. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. I love that. See, here's the thing, church. When Jesus died on the cross, he broke the power of Satan, sin, and sickness. It was broken right there. It says he disarmed the enemy. His resurrection was a public spectacle of the victory that Jesus accomplished. And yet why then are still so many people trapped? Addictions to sin. Christians, why are, we, why are so many struggling with sickness? Now, I know we live in a fallen world. But friends, we need a greater revelation of the mighty hand that compels the enemy to let God's people go. And friends, this is the thing that I want you to catch today. This is what I'm trying to catch as we fast and pray and as we study the scriptures. 
This is Lord Jesus. You wanting to release your wrath, your anger against an enemy who has no right to keep your people in bondage. That's why I love this story. When you have a revelation of the mighty hand of God, then you know that Satan's sin and sickness stand no chance. And so you stand up to them in Jesus' name. I'm trusting churches. This revelation begins to grip our heart more and more. Oh, I think there's going to be a little bit of righteous aggro inside of us. Enough is enough. We want to see the impact, the effects of the enemy broken and God's people walking victorious. Thanks for that, Viv. At least we got one amen. Example number two. The mighty hand of God, I love this, restores the fear of the Lord into the hearts of God's people. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 31. It says, when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. I love that. The mighty hand of God is displayed through signs, wonders, healings, miracles. The result was that fear gripped the hearts of the people. Now, here's the thing. When the fear of God, that holy, reverend awe, grips the hearts of God's people, that's the sweet spot for the church. That's the sweet spot. Not when we're playing church, not when we've got fancy buildings and great music. No, no, no. The sweet spot is when there's a reverent fear of God that grips the people of God. And you know, that's what the early church was known for. And um, it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 43, it said, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The, The old King James Version says, and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. So one of the distinguishing marks of that early church, the reason it was so powerful and successful was the hearts of the people were not playing church and being, they were gripped with a reverent fear of God. The problem was that fear began to drift. In other words, it's almost as if people began to be familiar with God. It's almost as if, ah, we've done this, we've sung these songs, and and instead of a reverent fear for God, there came almost a sense of familiarity for some of them. In fact, it got to the point where one couple in the church, because now it became almost a almost a little bit of a spiritual prior type thing. Hey, some people in the church had sold a property and donated all the money to to help the poor. And and this couple were like, hey, we could do that. But honey, let's not give all the money. Let's just cut half the money because we've got to pay off the bond and we've got some school fees to pay. But let's take this other half of the money. And then it's like, guys, we sold a field and we're also giving all of the money into it. And, And in some ways, now that's a little bit more of religious pride than it is fear of God. And you remember what happened in the story, Ananias and Sapphira. No one calls their kids that anymore. Because what happened in that church service, this was not slain in the spirit. This was dead in the spirit. Dead. That's an awkward service to have. Just, I mean, the husband just died, dropped dead in front of Peter. The wife came later. She was obviously a bit late for church that Sunday morning. Dropped dead. It's what it says in Acts chapter 5 and verses 10 to 12. At that moment, this is Sapphira, the wife. She fell down at Peter's feet and died. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out. They seem to have a whole ministry team, like the burial team. Can the burial team come forward, please? Because uh, we're going to be praying for some folk this morning. I mean, this is a hardcore. The young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out, buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church 
and all who heard about these events. And the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. Isn't that amazing? That's a sweet spot for the church. Church, are we there? Honestly. Are we there? Are we, are we playing church? Are we having religious services? When all honesty, are our hearts gripped with a beautiful, reverent fear of our God? Because that's precious to God. And it was the mighty hand of God revealed that restored the fear of the Lord. When we have a revelation of the mighty hand of God, you cannot play religious games or hide behind hypocrisy. You humble yourself in reverent fear. Here's another example. Example three. The mighty hand of God is a revelation given from God. Deuteronomy 3 verse 24. It says, Sovereign Lord, you have begun to show to your servant your greatness and your strong hand or your mighty hand. I love that. You've begun to reveal, to show for what God is there in heaven on earth who can do the deeds and mighty works you do. Friends, Revelation is probably one of my most passionate subjects because I've learned the big difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. Head knowledge, most Christians are, their heads are full of knowledge about God, but so often our hearts are empty of genuine revelation of God. Now we can read about this, but my prayer as I'm preaching today, even now that our hearts like soil would be receiving the seed that it would begin to grow inside of us. Our prayers over this week of fasting will be, Lord, let this become revelation. Amongst as many of us as possible, let the eyes of our heart be enlightened. Let the lights go on that we would know, Lord, you are the God of the mighty hand. And you want to stretch out your mighty hand, not because of who we are, but because of who you are, to bring victory over our enemies. Revelation is huge. Remember when, when Jesus asked his disciples, he said, hey, who do you say that I am? Some say Elijah, John the Baptist. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at Peter and he said, blessed are you, Peter, because this was not revealed to you by any man, but by my Father in heaven. You see, true revelation in our hearts, and you'll know it if you have it. You can know something and then you can know something. And when revelations in our heart, this is what we need, Lord. We need to know that you're the God of the, of the mighty hand who wants to work through us in signs and wonders, in healing and in power. It's the Father who grants us revelation. That's what Paul, and I'm so amazed when he prayed, the Apostle Paul, when he prayed for different churches, he never prayed for their building projects or bless the leaders. He said, Lord, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open the eyes of their hearts so that they would know you more and more. Revelation is so important. When you catch a glimpse of the revelation of the mighty hand of God, it should inspire us to hunger and thirst for more. That's why we're fasting this week. Example number four. The testimony of his mighty hand in the past is the foundation of faith for the future. What does that mean? Well, in Deuteronomy 7, 19, it says, You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. I love it. That's the power of testimony. Moses is saying to them, you, you saw what God's mighty hand has done in the past. That same mighty hand is what's going to give you victory over your enemies into the future. As Joshua and then we're about to go into the promised land, but there's giants. No, 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 no. 
Remember what God did. His mighty arm delivered you from Pharaoh, and now his mighty arm is going to deliver you into the promised land. It's a testimony of the past that gives us faith for the future. The purpose of a testimony is to prophesy into the future. That's why when we went into this uh, the second building project and COVID hit and we ran out of money and all of those things, but the reality is we knew, God, you will provide. You will. Because you've shown us in the past that your gracious hand is upon us and so you'll provide. I love the little quote, if you've got a testimony, you haven't got an excuse. Because it's true. Because if you have a testimony, you do not have an excuse because God has revealed in the past what he can do into the future. And so many of you have got testimony of healing in your life. So if you've got a testimony of healing, you do not have an excuse not to trust God for healing into the future for your life and for those around us. We need to stir up those testimonies inside of us. The mighty hand of God that delivered the Israelites and powerfully worked through Jesus is going to be healing more and more people. That's what we're trusting him for. When you have a revelation of the mighty hand of God, it shapes the way you speak. We begin to proclaim and declare instead of begging and pleading. Let me leave you. Okay, last one, and then I'll pick up the rest next week. But maybe example number five, the revelation of his mighty hand changes the way we lay hands on people. Have you laid hands on people before? It's a good biblical thing. It's in scripture that we, we lay hands on the sick and we pray. In Deuteronomy 26 and verse 8, it says, So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. I love that. It's not just the mighty hand. The mighty hand sits at the end of an outstretched arm. And I love this picture almost from heaven. I think it's such an amazing picture of Jesus, the outstretched arm of God. That's Jesus coming to earth. But listen to this. In Luke chapter 5, verses 12, It says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, what do you do in that moment, Jesus? I mean, if there's one golden rule that you grow up with, when someone is wearing a sign saying leprosy and they're outside the camp, you do not, do not touch a person with leprosy. It's just the biggest known. That social distancing right there, just keep your distance. And Jesus, and we know Jesus could have spoken a word because he healed many other people with a word he spoke and they were healed. But Jesus, in that moment, facing a man covered in leprosy, it says, verse 13, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. I love that, the outstretched arm of God. And friends, I want us as a church, I want us to carry this revelation that as a church, we don't just lay hands on people. We prophetically stretch out the arm of God, trusting that over our trembling, feeble hands, the mighty hand of God will be at work. Amen? I believe that's God's will for our lives. Will you and I have the boldness to surrender our hands to the master so that he can transform our feeble hands into his mighty hand. When you have a revelation of the mighty hand of God, you don't just lay your hands on someone, you prophesy that the mighty hand of God is being stretched out against his enemies. Let me 
There's a lot of other stuff I want to cover. I'll get back to it next week and finish it off. But I want to remind you, church. See, the mighty hand of God is not a reward for us, but actually it's a demonstration of God's, can I even use the word wrath, against his enemies. One of the things I discovered is when God gave the promised land to the Israelites, he wasn't giving the promised land as a reward to them. He was giving it to them as a punishment to the Ammonites who had sinned so badly for such a long time, God said, enough. And friends, I believe there are, maybe I should say it this way, one of the challenges that God has put on my heart is that sometimes we as Christians, or maybe I'll just make it me, we can become too familiar and almost too friendly with some of God's enemies. Jesus died to break the power of sin and sickness. And yet sometimes we manage it. Sometimes we allow. Sometimes we get comfortable. Now I know some of you might be wrestling now with sickness in your body. All I'm saying is, let's not get comfortable with that. That's not God's will for our lives. Jesus came to destroy sickness and destroy the work of the enemy. Addictions that might be holding you right now, that's not God's plan for your life. He sent Jesus to destroy the power of sin in our lives. My point is this. Sometimes we've made friends, tolerated, and are managing the very enemies of God. And God's desire is that his mighty hand would be released through us against his enemies, bringing victory and healing and deliverance. Amen? So what's our response? The key to the gracious hand of God is humility. The key to the mighty hand of God is boldness. Lord, fill your servants with boldness so that we would proclaim and speak and believe in the power of the name of Jesus. Stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders. If we're going to walk in a revelation of the mighty hand of God upon us, it's going to start with a commitment to being bold, to trust the Lord. So church, I want to ask you this morning, I truly believe God has put his, his prophesied. This wasn't even from one of us. It came from the outside. Prophetic word. God wants to reveal his mighty hand to us as a church. I believe the time now is for us to say, yes, Lord. But I want to ask you, church, are you willing to take hold of this? See, the power of God rests on those who are actually weak and submitted and saying, God, I can't do this. This is way beyond me. Could you use me? Yes, God wants to use us. I want to ask you today, if you're willing to allow that boldness that filled Peter and John with such a passion to proclaim the Christ, are you willing to allow the boldness of the Holy Spirit to so fill your heart that you truly begin to believe the mighty hand of God is going to be stretched out through you? Amen? Would you stand with me, please? Musos, won't you come on up? If you don't mind closing your eyes just for a moment, I want to pray a prayer this morning, the type of prayer that Paul prayed over and over. So Heavenly Father, this morning we want to thank you so much that you have spoken this prophetic word over Outlook Church. Now you want to reveal your mighty hand to us. Your mighty hand that drives out the enemy, that delivers. Your mighty hand that brings healing, deliverance, and victory. And Father, our prayer this morning 
is that you would come by the power of the Holy Spirit and open the eyes of our heart. So it's not revealed to you by any man, but by my Father in heaven. Father, we're asking you, come and reveal Jesus as the mighty hand of God who wants to work through us and and, and through all of our, our excuses and our weaknesses and our feebleness. Lord, you've chosen humble people to work through. And Father, we want to humble ourselves before you this morning and we want to say, here we are, Lord. Here we are, Lord. Use us. Stretch out your hand to heal, to deliver through the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And just, I want you to take a moment right there. And if you've got faith for it, I want you to be saying in your heart, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want to take hold of this revelation. I want to trust you this year, Lord, to begin to walk in the impossible, to begin to walk in the supernatural, to begin to walk believing that our days, our meetings are going to be filled with more and more of a display of His mighty hand. Less of us, more of Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Friends, what it's going to mean at a practical level is we are going to be contending this year like never before to see bodies healed and set free. And so if that's you today and your faith has been stirred saying, that's it, Lord, I don't want to live with sickness, we're going to be praying for you. And we're going to be praying after every meeting and we're going to get more and more of you praying as this revelation grips your heart. We're not going to be laying on of hands. We're going to be stretching out, trusting for the mighty hand of God to bring victory. But first I want to say this. Some of you might be here today ready to repent, to turn from a life of sin to a life of following Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you'll know it because faith stirs inside of you. Something comes alive inside of you. And so if you're ready, if you have the faith to surrender your life to a life completely devoted to Jesus, then we'd love to be praying for you as well this morning. So we're going to be closing off with a song. And while we do that, I'm going to invite you to welcome and join us right here. Otherwise, as we end the meeting, we are going to be praying for people, surrendering their lives to Christ, people trusting for healing. Let's believe for testimonies of His mighty hand. Amen. Let's worship together.